0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope Podcast. I'm Lena Abajemra, your host, and it is great to be back with you. We've been running a great series in the podcast this summer, the unshaken series of messages that I have been uh, blessed to share with you. But now we are off to a great new year. Uh, the September marks the beginning of school year. It marks the beginning of Bible study, and it marks the beginning of the ministry year for us here at Living with Power. If you don't know much about this ministry, we're glad you're here. You can find out all about us at livingwithpower.org. Hey, uh, we've got a great fall ahead of us, but today is a special day of celebration. We are celebrating the one year anniversary of my most recent book, Fractured Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. That book came out September 7th of 2021, and it has been amazing to see how God has used my painful experience with church hurt in order to bless others. And so if you haven't heard about the book, this is your chance to find out about it. Check it out on Amazon or go to our store. Because it is our year celebrating it, we're going to do a couple of things. First of all, we've got a journal we're releasing that is available this week for only $4.99. And that is a 45-day journal that you can access uh, at livingwithpower.org. I'll give you that uh, address again in a minute. Besides the uh, journal, you can get the book at half off on our website, also at livingwithpower.org slash store. You can also find it on Amazon at full price. Listen, if you haven't read the book, you need to read it. And if you have, you probably wanna pick up a copy for your friend This is a book that has ministered to so many. I hope it's encouraged you. If you want to know what it's about, today's a great podcast for you to tune into. I did an interview recently with Pat Williams, who used to be former manager of the Orlando Magic, is what I'm told. Anyway, we did this great interview, and he literally just asked me about every one of the chapters in Fractured Faith. And I think it gives you a great summary of the book. I think if you just need to be encouraged in your faith, check in to the conversation today. It's like a 40 minute interview that I think will bless you and encourage you. I'll be back to wrap things up at the end of the interview, but. Next week, we'll hit a new series called Bread and Butter. But for today, sit back and let God heal your heart if you have been through fractured faith yourself. And if you haven't, and you're thinking of somebody you love, then use the time to pray for them as you listen in to what God might teach you through uh, the interview that I'm about to share with you.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. I'm happy to welcome Lena Abidjamra, Uh, She's in Chicago, founder of Living with Power Ministries, and the author of Fractured Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. Lena, welcome to Orlando. I hope you're doing well.
2: (laughs) I love Florida. I'm happy to be with you on air.
1: Uh, Tell me about this book. What's the story here? What brought it about?
2: Well, um, it's one of those books that you hope you never have to write, but uh, it was what I was living. A few years after I left my uh, mega church, well, you know, known church in Chicago, I uh, left for reasons that I thought were noble and actually God honoring. I I felt like God had led me to leave because there was a lot of issues going on with the leadership at that time, and people, the elders had, you know, there was a movement towards that, that pointing to that. It wasn't like a random idea, and and I thought, I guess, because I had left in obedience to God's way, that God would step up and do what I expected him to do. And so I think just like always when we follow God in obedience, we sort of have an, an, a, a, a sort of plan in mind, a, a pathway in mind, and when it doesn't work out, you sort of face a lot of questions. And so for me, that season early in two thousand less than 2013, so the couple of years leading up to that, and then the years afterwards, ended up being one of the darkest seasons of my life. And of course, you know, any church-going, not church-going, but church-involved Christian sort of appreciates the connectivity that we can have to our local church. Um, for many Christians, myself included, I was a single doctor who uh, lived in Chicago, so my life had very much centered around the church, but besides the fact that I was a very committed believer who was very involved in church world, I also had had felt a vocational call to ministry, so I was very involved at that time in leading the women's ministry at that church, and then was starting to write uh, books uh, with Moody Publishers, etc. So it was a very, very um, difficult time of sort of reassessing what it meant to be called by God, the setting of that, and then and then those years that followed, because I felt so uh, abandoned by God in some ways, it really shook my faith. And so I called it a season of fractured faith. You know, people speak about the dark night of the soul. And nowadays, of course, one of the biggest um, descriptors of sort of the season of questioning is, this, is is often referred to as a deconstruction of faith, where you sort of wonder, like, did what I have believed so far, did that was I crazy? Is this biblical? Is this right? Who's right? Who's wrong? Is God for them? Is he for me? So sort of those questions that can really mess with your soul. And and um, and um so Moody had one of the publishers there who uh, had reached out to me and said, hey, what what are you working on? And I'd already published a couple books with them. And, and I said, well, I don't know if I'm working on anything, but I'm working through something. And so as we talked through that, uh, it became evident that that was a book that was needed. And since the writing and the publishing, of course, now – you almost can't escape hearing, uh, you know, not a, almost a week or a month go by before hearing that people have deconstructed. And, and so it's become a language of its own in the Church. Of course, we do know that there's a crisis in the Church where people... We used to go to church, no longer go to church, I think particularly in the millennials, but across the board. And then I think COVID didn't help. So sort of a lot of things that have lined up for people to be like, man, my faith, I don't know. Like, it's not what it used to be. And certainly if it's not your faith, it's your relationship with the church that may have changed. And so this book addresses all of those things. And uh, it's actually not very big for as much as we cover, but it's it's my experience uh, superimposed with a lot of... um, biblical reasons why even if you're going through those difficult seasons god is not against you he's actually waiting for you with open arms and uh, and and if you are deconstructing i think the, i think the assumption in our culture is that we'll stop believing this is what a lot of people who come out and say hey i deconstructed i no longer believe in the same christian faith that i grew up with i think there's an alternative scenario which is you go into deeper faith and there's a rebuilding that happens and that's really what i what i talk about in the book
1: lena There are nine chapters in your book. The first one, uh, Where is God in My Pain? What can you tell us?
2: Well, it's probably the most asked question in the world uh, literally i do a lot of global work now it's after the season of leaving the church i ended up starting to work with Syrian refugees so i travel a lot with uh, a lot to the middle east which is where i'm from originally i'm lebanese and i see that question but also as my practice in the pediatric er now i do telehealth i mean so i work with, with patients who are sick and hurting i think across the board that's the biggest question that people ask about god if god is good why is there pain in the world i think the question is harder sometimes when you're a follower of jesus and you assume That now God is on your side. I think we think of faith sometimes in in sort of American with an American mindset. Certainly American Christians think of it that way, but even even global Christians, I think there's a sense that, okay, fine, I used to be an enemy of God, and now I'm a believer, and so God should be there for me. And I think when we go through pain, though intellectually we understand that bad things can happen to Christians, there is a sense of betrayal in your soul. Like, God, really? Like, I, th- I thought I did my part, and I-, I thought you were for me, and I thought you led me. And, and, and I think it messes with you even more. Why church hurt is even more painful is because now it's like, it gets really confusing. Like, you start pitting, like, Christian against Christian. Like, is God for them, or is he for me? And if God is, if, if I'm walking in the truth, then why are they continuing, you know, to, to do well, et cetera? So I think this question of, like, God, where are you? Why are you abandoning me in my hour of need? And, and, and ironically, it's a question that God knows very well in the sense that Jesus himself lived in that place. And, in fact, that was a turning point for me when I landed inadvertently on Psalm 22, deep in my pain. I remember one day just, like, Coming home and being like, I am so screwed. Like I just remember feeling like no one could help me out of this pit. I just felt really alone, really alone. And um, I don't know, you know, I, I'd been sort of reading my Bible out of duty and sort of with an eye roll, like, really, God, <laughs> where I, do, I, I don't see you. I haven't seen you, you know. I've, I just know you're there, I guess, like, but you're not here. And I opened my Bible on a whim. I sort of felt, I think, in hindsight, the Spirit of God just moved me to open. And I landed on Psalm 22, and it's the chapter that talks about, God, why have you forsaken me? And it's a prophetic chapter about Jesus dying on the cross for us, and feeling those very same feelings that we feel when God seems so far away from us. And it wasn't like, you know, no one—I mean, I think, you know, you like to think, oh, I had a aha moment, then I woke up the next day, and I was just like back ah, in the—you know, it wasn't like that, but it was the beginning— of light penetrating my darkness, where I felt like I was not as alone as I had accused God of being. And I think that's there, that sense of, okay, he still got me. Because I think in that season of questioning, what we tend to do is everything we're not supposed to do. You know, we, whether it's addictions we go back to, whether it's attitudes that we accuse God of, I think we all know our hearts, like we all know what we do when we're hurting. And I think um, there's a sense in that darkness, as a Christian in particular, where you kind of go, okay, I should have known better. If I did that, then God really hates me now. And I think, again, I think we underestimate or, God's love for us and His uh, ability to stay. He's so forbearing and long-suffering with us. And I think the moment you realize like He's there is revolutionary and radical, and it happened to me. And I hope that it happens to the people who read this book.
1: My guest is <clears throat>, Lena Abedjamra. She's in Chicago. Fractured Faith, the name of her book. Uh, Lena, next topic. Why did my story end up this way? Question mark.
2: Right. Uh, you know, expectations are our biggest curse in the Christian life. They're, uh, it's uh, funny because I think, you know, the Bible talks about us coming to God with our expectations. But I think we, again, we, we put in our American spin on it. And so, like the psalmist, and, and it, I love the psalms, and I think, by the way, they're a very play, great place of comfort for anybody who's questioning and hurting, in general. But but he, you know, he often tells God, like God, you're my expectation, and and we got, so we sort of see the word expectation, and our minds go, oh, well, it's okay to have expectations, but our our expectations are often not biblical; they're cultural. You know, we we come to God with the expectation that things will go well for us, and and particularly in an American dream sort of mindset. And I think one of the biggest curses of the last, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe even 12, maybe longer years of leadership has been that our Christian leaders have exemplified that sentiment. Even if they've taught a biblical theology, they've lived a life that sort of yells, if you're good, God will honor you with everything you want and more. And I, I honestly, from the church I left, it's like sort of this this undercurrent of prosperity Living, maybe not prosperity theology, but prosperity living, that comes to God with the expectation that God, I have obeyed you, therefore I expect you to make the list. i me a good husband. Make my kids obey you. Let them go to college. You know, whatever it is that we value, good athletes, you know. And and I just think that's just not based on truth. And I think the most freeing element of walking in Christ is letting go of those expectations. I mean, Jesus's kingdom was not about money and self and promotion. A self. It was about dying to self. I mean, the very example of Jesus is the opposite in, in Philippians. He, he left his kingdom and came to earth. There's no more condescending position. But we don't really believe it. We say we do, right? I mean, we, 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 we say a lot of things in the Christian life that we don't mean. And part of the reconstruction process, part of all of this happening, I, I actually love deconstruction and reconstruction, because part of it is sort of reevaluating. And pain, I think, is the biggest assessor of what you really believe. That comes out when you're hurting. And I think the biggest gift of deconstruction is us being able to step back and say, all right, you know what, I have a lot of stipulations on God, and they're not based on what He says and who He is. Are we willing to follow the God who He says He is? And I think that takes a deeper surrender or a renewal of surrender. Surrender is one of the words I deal with. There's five words that I sort of address. Expectations, one of them. Suffering is one of them. We've talked about those two. And then surrender. Are you willing to reach a place where you say, okay, okay, like, like Jacob with wrestling with God in Genesis. Like, I mean, you walk out with a broken hip, but God, I, I just want your blessing, whatever that looks like. And so that chapter, I, I sort of talk about that, expectations, when your life hasn't looked like what you expected it would be. And why that's not always a bad thing.
1: Lena, let's move on. Why can't I overcome sin in my life? That's your third topic.
2: Yeah, I, you know, as I approached the topic, I felt like what I needed to address wasn't just what is deconstruction, but sort of our response to deconstruction, so our response to when we're going through a dark season in the Christian life. And inevitably, this bend to find soothing. I think, first of all, most of us numb ourselves. There's a numbing that happens, and we are experts at it in American culture now. Uh, we numb ourselves through social media, through brainless YouTube videos, through Netflix binging, through porn addiction, you name it. I mean, there's, there's alcohol, food, exercise, you name it, we are good at it. And I think numbing ourselves with vices is just our way to just, just separate ourselves from pain. We just don't want to feel it. and But after a while it's there. You can't, like, you can ignore it. It's like a cancer. Pain is like, can create a cancer. And it's a doctor. I've seen that where you think you're okay. And then a the patient shows up and you're like, man, how did you, how did you wait till that tumor got this big? Like where, what happened in the last two years? And it's a, it's a state of denial and of covering it up. And I think, uh, I had to address this because I think we turned to sin to feel better because we do feel better in the short run. Sin does please in the short run, but then eventually we're not better. And we feel not better. And so I had to address it. And and why I think it's an important topic, especially in this context, is because the more we turn to sin, the worse we feel about our relationship with God. So it becomes sort of a circular pattern of distancing ourselves from God, because now we don't only think, okay, God hates me, He didn't give me what I wanted in my life, but now we think, oh, now I'm bad, because I'm third to all these things, and so God really hates me now. And that's just not the truth. God loves you, and He's still there for you. And like the father of the prodigal, He runs towards you with open arms. And so uh, that's that chapter.
1: Now, Lena, explain to us topic four. Is this how Christians are supposed to act?
2: Yeah. At the heart of what I went through, my pain and my deconstruction, which I believe in the era I'm writing this book, is probably the number one reason why people are leaving the church. It's the people in the church. It's, And, and I'd even narrow it down and say it's the leaders in the church. I really believe We have had a failure of leadership in the last decade or two. And it's just like maybe it started a couple of decades ago, but it's come to a head now. And we are seeing it like, you know, there isn't a week that goes by where we don't see an implosion of, of, of a leader somewhere. And so it's shocking to be trusting of a leader in particular, but even a friend, you know, in your church, and then see them turn on you so much right or see them let you down in a massive way but not just let you down but not acknowledge it i think you know spiritual abuse which is sort of uh, the backdrop of my story is sort of that that story that that, that there's things happening that leave you gutted spiritually at the, because of, of you're a victim of, of what at, at, the, at the hands of somebody that should have been the opposite and so a lot of people i think now are floating in the christian life with um, accusations against Christians. I mean, that's the number one people leave, reason people leave the church. It's not Jesus; it's it's his people, and um, and so I dig in a little bit more, and I bring in my story. By the way, I'm I'm single, been engaged twice, and and in that story, like it's interesting because I I sort of left because of of the leader in the church who eventually, by the way, was disqualified. I mean, we did have a day of vindication in a sense. He was disqualified from leadership by the elders. Eventually it took a long time. Um, the truth came out more clearly. It was evident that we weren't, the people who left weren't crazy, weren't rebellious, weren't hateful of God. But I also talk about another, you know, disappointment by the hand of another Christian back years ago in my, in my singleness and and sort of what I thought would end up being a marriage. And, and I think, you know, I think, I think, it's hard when Christians hurt you, and it's not deathly, though. I think we think it's the end of our faith, and it's not. On the contrary, I think it's a reminder that it's not the Christians that led us to Christ. It's Christ, and he's the reason that we are we're, that we're Christians. He's the reason that we have hope. And so people will continue to let us down, but he won't. But I, I delve into that, obviously, and talk about how um, I've reconciled all of those things, and hopefully that will be of
1: help. Lena Abujamra is our guest. Her book Fractured Faith. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More with Lena. Stay with us. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Lena. Abya Jamra. She's with us from Chicago. The book Fractured Faith Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. Well, Lena, we've arrived at topic number five. It's a question, as all of them are Is God really fair? What do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah I enjoyed writing this chapter. I remember when I started writing it, there was a famous singer. I, I actually wasn't that familiar with their band, but pretty well known band. And the lead singer had deconstructed and had left this amazing thread on, on Instagram that I believe since then he's removed. But it was so insightful because it delineated sort of this idea that, hey, God isn't fair. His, his ways are not fair. And, and it's, an, it's, it's a fair accusation when you really think about it. You read, when you look at Scripture, right? Francis Chan talks a lot about that, and I think he's right. Like, like the Bible is a hard book to read if you're intellectually honest. I mean, there are some things in it that you're like, if you don't understand the backdrop, the redemptive redemptive theme, the big themes of good versus evil, and what God is accomplishing eternally, it's easy to be like, this is just crazy. And yet, uh, and and this chapter was fun, because it's not a very long chapter, but basically it poses this question of, uh, really the best thing God could be is that he's not fair. And it sort of brings it to head in the person of Christ. I and mean, was it fair that Jesus would die for our sins? So the good news of the gospel is that God, in fact, is not fair. Think about the guy on the cross next to Jesus. I mean, he spent his life in and yet God gives them this grace, and so like that parable of the of the uh, where Jesus says, you know, there's a guy who goes out to work, and at nine in the morning, at noon, at three, and at five, and you know, our American, our American brain is like automatically like, well, the guy who works more should get paid more, right? This is right, and we have such a sense of what's right and justice, and and Jesus just obliterates that. It says grace is different. Grace is. Is, uh, is unexplainable. It's obscene almost, but it's God's way. And it's the best news that could happen, because we always assume that we're the 9 o'clock in the morning worker, but what if we're the 5 o'clock in the afternoon worker? and We're just not aware of that. And the longer I walk in Christ, the more I realize, I indeed am the 5 o'clock worker. And I'm so grateful that the, the fact that God is really not fair. So I loved writing that chapter.
1: Now, let's move on to, is this the normal Christian life?
2: Yeah, I pivot in the book at that point, and I really start talking about the reconstruction process. And one of the biggest um, sort of hypotheses or theories that I present in this chapter is that uh, maybe all of this questioning and wrestling is not really abnormal. It's really not a matter of if you're going to have a season of darkness, but when. And and really, maybe that is a gift because that is purifying and it's refining and it's strengthening. And now how do you get to the other side of it? And So it might very much be what you're calling unfair and, and horrible and dark. Maybe it is God's pathway to grow you and mature you. And um, I use an example of Jacob and Esau both grew up in the same home and sort of parallel how, you know, in the Bible, they both were exposed to the same teaching, you know, et cetera. And then one comes out stronger in the faith, and the other, you don't know that he even had faith. Hebrews tells us that he didn't. And so uh, how? How does that happen? And perhaps a lot of the wrestling, just like Jacob wrestled and the darkness he went through and the pain wasn't really a surprise. It was a process. And so uh, that is a good thing, ultimately, um, when you look at your Christian life and where you stand with the Lord.
1: Now, Lena, tell us about why can't I feel more of God in my life? Uh, what what, do you, what can you yeah. tell us?
2: Um, our, our, our modern day, the last, I don't know, again, five to ten years, I sort of focus on that, because I've seen this church movement that has gone from, like, you know, I grew up in a very intellectual, like, this is what the Bible says, and if the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And then we moved into, like, the mega-church movement, and a lot more Spirit-filled worship, and people started talking a lot more language of, like, you know, it's a matter of, like, feeling God, and I know His Spirit was there, because I had goosebumps, or I cried. I mean, people say that all the time, and it's just fascinating, because it's, I mean, where do do we come up with that? And then we started moving into even a season where people are like, well, I went out on a walk, sat out under the tree, and I saw God. It's sort of the spiritualism that I think you have to be careful of. And I think there's the the danger that I see with a lot of this charismatic contemplative, which, which, by the way, I I appreciate some of it to a certain extent. But you have to do it with caution, because I believe the danger is thinking that if I don't feel God, then something must be wrong. And so I, I tease that out, and, and our hunger to feel something, to experience something, well, I think it's, it's part of faith. I don't think faith is simply intellectual. I do believe God wants us to live with all of our mind, heart, soul, but I think to make that sort of the main thing is, is, is first of all, biblically incorrect, and secondly, set up for disappointment. And so I think there's danger in pursuing an experience with God and making that the litmus test of your faith. Does experience this, this feelings, are they all part of your walk with God? You better believe it. You better believe it. I am an emotive person to the extreme. But be careful. And so when you go through the darkness and you're not feeling the feelings, does that mean you've lost the faith? No, it doesn't, and uh, be careful if you're just looking for the feelings. So, so, so I think that's a, heart, a really important, kind of critical heart, H-E-A-R-T question, that I think we need to sort of tease out in this era so that we are confident in our position and our experience with God in our, in our and in our, in our place in the kingdom of God and in the family of God, regardless of our feelings.
1: Lena Abhujamra, she's our guest. The book, Fractured Faith. Lena, we've arrived at topic number eight. Why is it hard for Christians to love?
2: Yeah, i got a couple more topics, I think, before we wrap up, which is, uh, um, this is the best summary I've given for the book, so thank you, Pat, I appreciate this time. And so, um, loving... Christians has been as <laughs> a pain of the church's existence in, in loving other people right i mean i mean the last again few years have been sort of this accusation against evangelicalism that we have failed in loving others and so i actually hit up uh, some of the lgbtq you know relationships in the church and sort of um, the, the, the fairness of the question i mean we have failed the church has failed in loving certain groups of people i think uh, i think we've at the risk of abiding by the truth, we failed in love. And I think there's a balance and and I felt, again, in an era of talking about this concept of deconstruction, which many who have left, especially the millennials and under who have left the church, accused the church of it. The way that you've treated specifically black people and, and, and really Asians with minorities and then the LGBTQ community has been one of the main accusations against the church. And so I get into that a little bit. And it, it, though it feels like left field, it's really not. It's in line with, why do people leave the church? Why do people deconstruct? And are the accusations against the church fair? And how do we change that? And so I felt the need to sort of address some of that in that chapter. I had a personal one of my best friends is actually a, um, in the LGBTQ commu- community. And I sort of tell our story and how I've been able to, I think I've been able to maintain. Um, a faithfulness to what the Bible teaches on sexuality while still maintaining a level of love. And it, it takes time. And so uh, that chapter, I think, frees people, and I think parents have found it helpful to understand their kids who are deconstructing, but also kids, I think, have found that, you know, the younger generation has found it helpful to say, you know, we need to talk about it. If nothing else, the Church needs to be open about talking. Hey, here's where we failed, and here's where we've done right, and here's where we can change. And so that's all part of reconstructing.
1: Lena, tell us about topic number nine. Is it supposed to be this hard?
2: Yeah. Uh, Also, a great, fun chapter, I... uh I compare, you know, I love Scripture, and a lot of what I write is, of course, my, my personal experience, but I interspose a lot of stories of Scripture. Stories of Scripture are there to teach us. God instructs us to His Word, and, and I, I, I compare the story of Peter and Demas, and Demas, uh, of course, Paul talks about him in the New Testament as who was once a Christian, but then forsook the Lord, and and, and and we the only thing we're told that is he was in love with the present world, and then Peter, of course, he uh, failed, in a sense. He loved the world. He wanted to be accepted. Accepted, even by the servant girl and how different their story was and, and oh no I, I think the the example I gave there I'm sorry I, uh, which by the way Peter's example works great there's many examples of people who who struggled and had to persevere but the one I use is John Mark who left actually left the mission field and was like I'm, I'm not into this and then was restored and ended up being the one who wrote uh, the gospel of Mark um, and I'm amazed at at how two stories can end up so differently and, and I think the difference there is um is first the acknowledgement that, yeah, it is hard. I mean, have you ever met a Christian who hasn't told you how difficult the Christian if Jesus told us it's hard, but he told us that he's with us in it, and that all authority is given to us in him. So I think there is a freedom in acknowledging the difficulty, but then an encouragement to persevere when you acknowledge it, that even though it's going to be hard, you have a choice. How are you going to play out this scenario, this narrative of deconstruction? Are you going to fall into deconversion? Okay, I no longer believe it's the easy way. Or are you going to allow God to, to massage that faith and to show you Himself and to resist those things that you might think are popular and might feel good but ultimately are to your ruin and then come out strong? And so I want my story to end up like John Marks. And so far, by God's grace, I find myself um, stronger in faith more unshaken and more trusting in the goodness of God. I think if there is an outcome of the book, it's even though your circumstances don't change, I think to believe in the goodness of God more deeply with each passing year is a gift that is like no other. He is good. The question is, do you believe it? And deconstruction will sway you, you know, will have you question the goodness of God, but how you land through the questioning will determine whether you're still in the faith, or like Demas, you have left the faith. And so, by God's grace, you'll end up reading this book and feeling closer to God than ever.
1: Lena Abujamra, she has been our guest, Fractured Faith, the name of her book. We've got a wrap up right after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Stay with us.
0: Well, there you have it. I told you, didn't I? I literally go through every chapter of the book, Fractured Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction, and just summarize what it is that I intended in each of the chapters. I hope you found this beneficial. Uh, more than that, I hope that it's made you want to get the book. And if so, uh, check out livingwithpower.org slash store or fracturedfaithbook.com, or you can just go to Amazon, the usual place they can get it, I'm sure, the next day in your mailbox. And, uh, uh, check it out. We've got a lot of specials going on this week with the anniversary of Fractured Faith. We've got a journal we've released that will be a great guide for you that is available for only 4 dollars uh, Get it this week. It is an awesome compliment to the book that I think will uh, be with you for a while. And uh, if you just want to find out more about our ministry, check out livingwithpower.org. It's been so great to be with you. Next week, we'll launch a new series. But for today, be blessed. Have a great day and know that I am praying for you. I love you guys. and I'll be back next week.